Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour mystery drama, followed by a 30-minute variety show. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio. Suspense. This is the man in black, here again to introduce Columbia's program, Suspense. Our star this evening is Miss Maureen O'Hara, whom you've seen rise to stardom in Hollywood within the short space of a year. Her performances in the 20th Century Fox production, How Green Was My Valley, then more recently in The Immortal Sergeant, and now currently in the RKO production, This Land Is Mine, have given her an enviable place in the ranks of America's new film favorites. Miss O'Hara makes her first appearance on our suspense stage tonight as the heroine of A Study in Homicidal Mania. The White Rose Murders by Cornell Woolrich, which is tonight's tale of suspense. If you have been with us before, you will know that suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are tales calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation, and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. And so it is with the White Rose Murders and the performance of Maureen O'Hara. We again hope to keep you in... Suspense! He stood there waiting. He knew that presently they would come out of the second-rate dance hall out into the dimly lit street. He listened a while and smiled as the orchestra played that tune inside. And then they came out, the two girls, and still he waited, close enough to hear what they were saying. Well, I'll see you at the office tomorrow, Sally. Oh, I don't know how I'll get up. It's after one o'clock. Six hours sleep. Oh, I'll be dead tomorrow. <laughs> Me too. Oh, gosh, uh, I gotta have at least eight hours or I'm no good at all. I wish I had someone to walk me to the bus. It's four long blocks. I'll walk you down, Sally. Oh, don't bother. We go in different directions. What's well, no trouble, really. I don't mind. Well, really, it's not necessary. Come on. In the narrow alley that divides the dance hall from an ugly office building, he stood smiling. Just a little inside the alley, he stood stiffly against the wall, his head back, eyes closed, arms straight down, and in his left hand, a white rose. Well, all right then, Sally. Good night. Good night, Joan. See you in the morning. (laughs) 
Oh, I hope I don't have to wait long for the bus. <gasps> Who are you? Keep away. Keep away from me. Let me go. Let me go. The girl is dead. Tenderly, the figure straightens her hair and gently places the limp body on the ground. Then he opens her clenched fist and carefully so that the thorns will not bruise her flesh. He places in her hand the white rosebud. Pardon me, my good man. Is it true that you are the famous detective Terence Riley? Huh? Oh, Jenny, I didn't see you come in. Well, now that I'm here, how about offering to buy a cup of coffee for the girl you're going to marry? If you can ever get up enough nerve to ask her. Oh, it's no use, Jenny. I guess we better call it quits. I'm just a dick on the homicide squad, and that's all I'll ever be. And I'm a rich debutante. We don't belong together. Oh, you've been reading too many of those romantic stories, Terry. What is it this time? What's wrong? Yeah, they call him the White Rose Killer. And he's got to be caught. There's a general demotion coming on if he isn't, and that's all I need to get back into uniform. Oh, don't worry, darling. You always look good in blue. Yeah. Just to match the way I feel. Tell me more about the White Rose Killer. What's he like? That's the stumble. He, he could be anybody. No one's ever seen him except the dead. And they don't talk about it afterwards just slips out of the shadows and kills and then slips back again. How many has he murdered? Four. And he's not through yet. It's going to be one of those chain things if he's allowed to keep on. Are you sure it's always the same one? Yeah. That part of it we're sure of. It's the same touch, the same way of operating every time. How do you know that? Well, it's a rose. A white rosebud. A death rose. Puts it into each victim's hand after he kills it. Her? Yep. It's always a woman. A young woman between 19 and 23. What's behind it? Do you have any idea? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. But here's what I figured out. You know what a rose stands for. Symbolically, I mean. Why, yes, it's, uh, it's the flower of love. The white rose, uh, the bud, has another meaning. Purity, loyalty, devotion, and especially it stands for a young girl. That's right. And that's about the way I see it. So maybe it's a double cross, committed against our murderer by some young girl whom he worshipped and who betrayed his faith in her. You ought to be a detective, not me. <laughs> Thanks, darling. I've got a very fine teacher. Ah, <laughs> sweet. There's another thing. The murders were all committed near places where there was music, dance halls, and cabarets and the like. There's a song that brings back the original shock that you know, gives him the final push over into the darkness. As far as we can figure out, it's the beer barrel polka. Well, how does he commit the murder? Is it always the same way? Mm, always. Strangulation between the hands, with the thumb into the windpipe to keep his victims from crying out. But isn't there anything else you know about him? No, that's, that's why it's so hopeless. He's insane, of course. But there's only this one phase to his insanity. Probably perfectly normal in appearance and behavior. You could pass him on the street and even know it. Well, it's only when he sees someone vaguely like the girl he loved and hears that song, the one defective wire in him is jangled and short circuit. But, Terry, the flowers, don't the flowers tell you? 
He must get them somewhere you could trace. We don't know where he gets them. Maybe he steals them or... Terry, what if you were the one to get him? Well, it would mean a citation and a promotion. And then all the things that stand between us would disappear? We could get married? Well, the chances would be a lot better anyway. But what chance have I? Everyone in the department has been working their heads off for weeks and they've all failed. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Terry, what were the girls like? The ones he killed? Well, as as I told you, they were all between 19 and 23. Their heights were pretty much the same, too. They're all tall girls, around five feet, six or seven. A little taller than you. And all dark-haired. How did they wear their hair? Why, they... Say, what is this? Oh, nothing, darling. Just just interested. How did they wear their hair? Well, from what I remember, they uh, wore it sort of loose and curly down the back. I suppose each one had a resemblance to that long-dead love of his. That's probably it. Well, anyway, that's how the record stands. And we're all waiting for it to happen again. I see. Uh, Terry, um, I'd like to go home now. I shouldn't have told you all that stuff. I've given you the creeps. Oh, come on, Terry. Take me home. Later, Jenny stands by the window in her room, looking out, thinking. She doesn't move for a long time. Then suddenly, quickly, she goes to her closet and begins to rummage through her many pairs of shoes. Carefully, she picks one pair with three-inch heels. Five foot six or seven. Then she walks quickly to the dresser, opens a drawer, takes out a comb, and starts redoing her hair. Worn loose and curly down the back. Well, here we go. Edward! Edward! Yes, miss? Is the car ready? Yes, Miss Virginia. I've been waiting for you. Let's go before Mother sees me. Your mother's been looking for you, Miss. I hope you didn't tell her. No, Miss Virginia, I didn't. Good. Come on, Edward. Where do you wish to go, Miss Virginia? The Starlight Dance Hall on Grove and Second Street. The Starlight, Miss? Yes, Edward, that's the place. I wouldn't go there unescorted if I were you, Miss. It's one of the worst places in the city. Has a very bad reputation. The Starlight Dance Hall, Edwards. Very good, miss. Very good. Jenny walks slowly around the low-lighted dance hall, trying to make herself conspicuous. A tall figure leaning against a pillar watches her intently as he idly smokes a cigarette. He doesn't seem to belong there. His clothes don't have the nattiness of a dance lover. Jenny pauses not far from him. Deliberately, he throws his cigarette on the floor, steps on it, and slowly walks over to her. Hello? Oh. Oh, hello. You're not with anyone, are you? Oh, no, I'm alone. I thought so. I've been watching you all the time. Have you? I haven't seen you dance yet. I don't know anyone here. How about dancing with me, then? All right. Come on. 
Let's go out on the floor. Do you come here often? No. I never go to the same place twice. You don't? Why? I'm always looking for new faces. I'm restless. Do you find the faces you're looking for? Listen. Listen to that song. I like that. I like it very much. Yes, it... It is a nice song. You know, you remind me of someone I used to know. I'm trying to think who. I do? Yeah. You mind if we stop dancing and go over and get a drink? No, uh, let's go. Oh, look. They sell flowers here. Yes, I see. I'll get you some. What kind would you like? Oh, uh, any kind. Uh, you pick it out. All right. Let's see. There's something kind of innocent and young about you. Different from most of the girls that come here. Can't we stay here a little longer? It's intermission now. They won't play again for ten minutes. Come on. But I, I, I like it here. Let's stay a little while longer. Alvin, let's get down for some air. We can come back in a few minutes. Come on. But... We'll be back before the music starts. Oh, you're hurting my arm. Am I? I'm sorry. Fresh air smells good, doesn't it? It's so dark here. Let's go back. You're not scared, are you? Oh, no, it's... it's Let's walk just down this I... alley and back. Please, please. No, you Let me don't. go. Thanks. That's a lovely necklace, beautiful. Why, you're just a cheap... Shut thing. up. All you wanted was my necklace. So long, beautiful. Look out. What's the matter? Behind you, look. Holy... She's dead. A girl. Murdered. With a white rosebud in her hand. Well, Ginny, happened again last night. Just like the other times. A girl strangled in an alley and a white rose in her hand. Any news of the killer? No. He might just as well float through the air for all the trace he leaves. He must have bought the flower upstairs in the dance hall. He must have been there earlier, bought it, and saved no, it until... No, there was only one rose sold up there all night. And to a man who had a different girl with him. We had the flower girl. How did you know that they sold flowers there? I didn't tell you. Well, I... I must have read it somewhere. You couldn't have. It wasn't in any of the papers. No details were given, just the statement that an unidentified body was found. Well, I... Yeah, well, I just imagined that they'd sell flowers in a place like that. Well, I'm glad you don't go near those dance halls. Why, with this nut running around oh, loose... don't bother about that. We'd better catch this killer. And fast. Where did you get this wee stuff? To hear you talk, you'd think that you were on the case, too. Wouldn't you think so? To hear me talk? Again, Jenny tours the low dives, hunting for the white rose killer. Her search carries her to the waterfront. And as she walks past each dingy bar, 
she listens to the jukebox music. A little after midnight, she passes a dirty windowed saloon. The thin music catches her ear. She pauses and listens, her eyes alive for some sign, some indication of the person she's looking for. Then suddenly her body becomes rigid as her eyes fall upon a figure huddled in the shadows. Someone's watching me. Slowly she starts to walk up the street. Behind her, the heavy tread of a man's footsteps keep pace with hers. It's a quiet tread, unhurried but deliberate. For several blocks, it keeps the exact distance. Jenny starts to walk faster. I've got to know if he's really following me. The man quickens his pace. Jenny starts across the street. The man follows. She's sure now, sure that the man is following her. She fumbles for something in her purse. Her hand closes around a gun. If he tries anything, I'll shoot. You in any trouble, lady? Oh, no, officer. It's all right. You scared him away. Scared who away? Oh, just a man who wanted to bring me flowers. That's all. Well, he brought you one anyhow, lady. What do you mean? Right there on the ground, right by your feet. A white rose. <laughs> Coffee, Mabel. Sure, coming right up. Here you are. Terry. Terry. Hello, Jenny. Sit down. Thank you. Say, what's the matter with you? Look, darling, read the gossip column in this paper. What daughter of a socially prominent family sat way about a detective and waits for him outside the station house in her limousine every night? Private chauffeur and all, but Mama says no. That's not so funny. Oh, they held a big family war council over me just now. Indian powwow, feathered headdress and everything. They did, huh? Well, what'd they decide? Oh, I was asked to give my word that I wouldn't see you anymore. I refused, of course, so I'm to be exiled. Where to? Our summer home. It's just a few hours out of town, but I'll be there all by myself. Just with Mrs. Crosby, the housekeeper. Oh, maybe they're right. Why don't you listen to them? Are you on their side, too? No. When are you leaving? Right away. Edwards is driving me out. I just slipped out to let you know. Here's the address and phone number of the place in case you want to reach me. Don't lose it. I won't. Well, what's new and exciting about the White Rose Killer? Our famous lover of flowers? <laughs> We're still trying to track him down. I suppose I'll go looking for him at the flower show that's just opened. Oh, a flower show just opened? Yeah. Well, uh, goodbye now. I'll be seeing you. <laughs> What uh, floor is the flower show, please? Third floor, miss. Three, please. 
Third floor. Where's the rose display, please? Uh, to your left, over there. See where the man in the gray coat is? In the gray coat? Oh, yes, thank you. They are lovely, aren't they? Oh, you... You startled me. I... I'm sorry. I was just admiring the roses. Oh, yes, the nicest flowers here. I, I just can't keep my eyes off them. Yes, you, you can feel that way about some flowers. Well, that's the way I feel about white roses. Have you been here long? I really don't know. I suppose so. You, you see, I've come here every day since the show opened. I like to be near the roses, the white roses. Those big ones are nice. No, I, I like the little ones best, the little tightly curled rosebuds. They're so little and innocent. Oh, well, I, I really better be going. Are you going down? Yes. Down, please. Here, miss, I... I took a rose for you. Thank you. It, it's lovely. Would you... Would you care to have a drink with me? Why, yes, thank you. I know of a little place a block or two down there. They have nice music. We'll go there. All right, whatever you say. <laughs> This is it. Where's the music? A nickel in the jukebox, does it? Any special song you'd like? No. Uh, go ahead and pick one. Okay. Well, there we are. Oh, that's my favorite song. Reminds me of a, a girl I used to know. Excuse me, I, uh, I want to powder my nose. I'll be right back. Do you mind? No, of course not. Seventh Police Precinct. Sergeant Thomas speaking. Hello, is Terry Riley there? Just a moment, I'll see. Please hurry, it's important. No, sorry, miss. Terry Riley's not here just now. Oh. Uh, will you, uh, will you tell him... Tell him that I can't keep that date with him. Goodbye. Do you always go to the phone booth when you want to powder your nose? Why, I, uh... Well, I, I had to make a call. Uh-huh. Well, I'm afraid I'll have to leave you. Oh, wait. Uh, let me come with you. I'm sorry, miss, but I've got other things to do. Oh. What's the matter? That car. Someone that knows me. Let's get away from here. That's just what I'm going to do. So long, lady. Wait, wait. Please don't go. Miss Virginia. Miss Virginia. I'm sorry, Miss Virginia, but I must speak to you for a minute. Oh, Edwards. What do you want? I'm sorry, miss. You'd better come with me at once. I've been looking for you everywhere. Your mother's been taken seriously ill. Mother? Where is she? She's out at the country place, miss. I drove her there shortly before dinner. She wanted to pay you a surprise visit. Oh. I believe the shock of not finding you there upset her, miss. Is she very bad? She had the doctor with her when I left. Mrs. Crosby has gone away for the day. Your mother needs you, miss. Well, let's go. Hurry, Edwards, please. Right, miss. (laughs) 
Where is Mother Edwards? In her room, miss. You'd better hurry. Mother? Mother? It's Ginny. Is the doctor in there with you? Mother? Why, there's no one here. The room's empty. The bed hasn't been touched. Edwards, what are you doing? Merely playing a song, miss. A favorite of mine. Uh, a favorite? Yes, Miss Virginia. Where's Mother? She's in the city, miss. You lied to me. I'm afraid I did, Miss Virginia. Why are you locking the door? You know why, Miss Virginia. It... it can't be. You're not the... The white rose killer. But you see, I am, Miss Virginia. Driving you and your family around day after day. Sitting there right in front of you all the time. It was amusing to watch you hunting for me. Hunting for someone you saw several times a day. It can't be. You're not insane. Of course not. Who said I was? Edwards, you know I'm not the girl who betrayed you. Yes, I know that. Well, then unlock the door and let me out. Please, Edwards. I've killed five times. I've never regretted it. I'm going to kill you, Miss Virginia. Why, Edwards? Why? Because you've been so clever. Too clever. You made yourself look like her, the girl who deceived me. I could have killed you the day you first went out looking for me, but I had to be careful. Oh. I almost caught you that night at the waterfront, the night I dropped the white rose when that police car came. Edwards, I... I've never done you any harm. Your sweetheart, Terry. He loves you, doesn't he? Yes. That's good. Because now you won't be able to deceive him like my girl deceived me. Keep away, Edwards. Keep away or I'll... <laughs> you oh. thought you'd use your gun, eh? Well, don't think I was fool enough to overlook that. I took your gun out of your purse. It won't do you any good to kill me, Edwards. I didn't have anything to do with... <laughs> no, and you're not going to have a chance to break another man's heart like she broke mine. Jenny! Jenny! Where are you? Terry, Terry! It won't do you any good to call to him. He can't get in here without breaking down the door. Keep away from me. Terry! It will be too late then, because I'm going to kill you now. Jenny, where are you? Terry! Just let me get my hands on that pretty white throat. Oh, keep away. Keep away from me. Uh, Terry, stop! Uh, uh, Jenny, are you all right? Yes, Terry, I... I'm all right. Oh, take it easy. Here, sit down. Oh, Terry, I was so scared. There was nobody here but Edwards and I. How, how did you know where I was? Oh, it was simple. You were supposed to meet me at the coffee shop. You never broke an appointment, and when you didn't show up, I called the number you gave me. You told me the housekeeper was here all the time, and when there was no answer, I... Got suspicious and came down. Besides, when I got a message down at headquarters that you had to break a date with me, I knew something was wrong. Are you sure you're all right? Yes, I... I'm... Uh... Terry! Look. On the floor beside Edwards. A white rose. Must have fallen out of his pocket. That was meant for me. Oh, Terry, it's, it's all crushed. Yeah. 
crushed and dead. Just like the White Rose Killer. So closes The White Rose Murders, starring Maureen O'Hara. Tonight's tale of... Suspense. This is your narrator, the man in black. Hopes you have enjoyed Miss O'Hara's performance and our play. Because of a special broadcast of the all-star baseball game, suspense will not be heard. But again the following week, we will be back with another play on this series and more of your Hollywood favorites. The producer of these broadcasts is William Spear, who with Ted Bliss, the director, Bernard Herman and Lucienne Marowick, conductor and composer, and Cornell Woolrich, the author, collaborated on tonight's Suspense. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio.
ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Day. Every song that I sing, I'll sing to you, and I hope I can bring you a smile or two. The Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benaderet, Dink Trout, Charles Dant in the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis to sing Gal in Galveston. I got a gal, gal, gal in Galveston. Got a real true gal in Galveston. I'm going back to the purple stage and stay forevermore. Going back to the prairie and the one that I adore. I got a gal, gal, gal in Galveston. How I love that gal in Galveston. I keep thinking of the time when those happy wooden bells will chime for lucky me and my gal in Galveston. I'm going back to the purple sage and stay forevermore. Going back to the prairie and the one that I adore. I got a gal, gal, gal in Galveston. How I love that gal in Galveston. I keep thinking of the time when those happy wooden bells will chime for lucky me. And baby makes three. And my gal, gal, gal in Galveston. Weaverville's leading and only newspaper, the Daily Bugle, is holding a contest this week entitled My Most Unusual Experience. And the person sending in the most unusual will go a cash prize of $100. Now, the life of our young hero, Dennis Day, has been rather usual so far. He was born in an average home, his parents were average people, and his 11 years in elementary school were as uneventful as his seven years of high school. <laughs> But $100 is $100, so we find him now at the Anderson dining room table, a pad and pencil before him, and a blank stare in his brown eyes. But what'll I write about, Mildred? You know the life I lead. It's just eat and sleep with a little breathing thrown in. <laughs> well, let's see. How about what happened after my mother found your pet turtle and her cold cream? Well, shouldn't it be an experience during which I was conscious? <laughs> uh, yes, maybe so. Well, surely something unusual must have happened to you while you were in the Navy. Can't you remember? Oh, my gosh, of course. The war. Oh, boy, I've got it. What? It was on the USS Missouri. We were two days out of Guam looking for Jap submarines. Yes, go on. Cruising in a total blackout, everyone alerted. Yes? It was just an hour before dinner time when it happened. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in the galley. Oh, what, Dennis? What happened? I got the peeling off a potato all in one piece. <laughs> Oh, 
sure. I had a snapshot to prove it, but I lost it. I'm afraid that won't do either, Dennis. No? Oh, gosh, what am I going to do? There's a hundred bucks just waiting for me. Oh, hi, Daddy. Good morning, children. Uh, What are you doing there, Dennis? Oh, I'm trying to think of an unusual experience for the newspaper contest. Oh, I've sent my entry in already. The story of my first meeting with Poopsie. We met at the zoo, you know. (laughs) In front of the hippopotamus cage. Oh, really? Yes, yes. I'd been standing there for hours watching the hippopotamus feeding. And then, as I turned to go, I saw Poopsie for the first time. She looked mighty attractive to me. Yeah, I can see why. (laughs) Well, our eyes met, and she said hello, and I said hello back to her. I've always been a pretty easy pickup. (laughs) Gee, it's an awfully romantic story. Yes. Oh, we spent that whole day at the zoo together. Hand in hand, we strolled from cage to cage. And finally, as we stood looking in at the baboon, I asked her whether there was a man in her life. Yeah? What did she say? She said no, and I kissed her on the spot. Gee, I'll bet the baboon flew into a jealous rage, huh? No, he didn't seem to mind at all. Good morning, everybody. Oh, good morning, Mother. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Anderson. Hi, Fudge Pop. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. Wait till you hear what I've written for the contest. I just must win. See if you don't think so, too. Really? Well, read it to us, Mother. All right, listen. Last year, our Weaverville Summer Theater was looking for a beautiful young girl for the part of Juliet, and I happened to just walk in accidentally. Well, imagine my surprise when the Mrs. Direct- Anderson, before you go any further, this ex- experience is supposed to be unusual, not in pot. Ooh. <laughs> Dennis, if you know what's good for you, you'll keep your mouth shut. Uh, yes, ma'am. To continue, the director asked me my age, which I frankly admitted was 33. (laughs) Mrs. Anderson? Yes? I just want to let you know I know what's good for me. (laughs) Dennis? Uh, Dennis, maybe you better be getting down to work, huh? It's getting pretty late. Yeah, maybe I better. I would strongly advise it before we all have the very unusual experience of seeing three Irishmen meet. You and my O'Sullivan heels. (laughs) Come along, Herbert. Coming, butterfly ear. Good morning, Mr. Jacoby. Hello, honey boy. Oh, gosh. What's the matter? Is anything wrong, Mr. Jacoby? You seem kind of low. Low, he says. Honey boy, compared to me, the plunging neckline goes sideways. <laughs> well, what is it? I'll tell you what is it. I'm owing $50 to our bookmaker. Gee, when do you get time to do all that reading? <laughs> oh, no, I lost the $50 on the races. Mr. Jacoby, you? Yeah, it's the first time a jackass ever bet on a horse. <laughs> But when I heard the name of the animal, how could I resist? He was a grandson of Seabiscuit named Ocean Bagel. I never knew you bet on horses. I never bet a cent on one in my life before. But this time, the jockey himself told me Ocean Bagel couldn't lose. 
he would positively bolt in. Oh, gosh, what happened? What happened? When one horse is waltzing and the rest are all jitterbugging, who gets there first? Yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, wait till my wife finds out about this tonight. Boy, will she hit the floor. You mean hit the ceiling? No, the floor. I had to hug the bed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you could do me a favor, honey boy. Yeah? Here's the $50. Deliver it to the bookie for me while I watch the shop. His name is Fader. And he's at the Windermere Hotel. Yeah, sure. Mr. Fader, huh? In the Windermere Hotel. Yeah, his room is 609. Wait, I'll write it down for you. Oh, you don't have to write it down. I couldn't forget a simple number like that. Hmm. If not for my unfortunate experience yesterday, on this, I would bet. <laughs> now hurry up, hurry up, please. Okay, I'll see you later, Mr. Jacoby. Gee, Mr. Jacoby sure must think I'm dumb not to be able to remember a simple number like room 609 in the... Gosh, what was the name of that hotel again? Wind? It had something to do with wind. Oh, sure. Room 609 of the Hotel Congress. All right, Peterson, I'm shooting the dollar. Okay, Riley, you're faded. And read them, boy, a six and a five. Shoot the two. Okay, shoot the two. Hey, where is everybody? You sure you told the boys down at the pool room the game was on today? Yeah, I told everyone just as plain as day 609 at the Congress Hotel. But it's early, yeah? Take it easy. There'll be a lot of... Ah, uh-uh. there we are, there we are. Come in. Hello, is this room 609? That's right. Come on in. Thanks. Which one of you fellas is Fader? He is. I'm shooting. Oh. <laughs> you, Mr. Shooting. Huh? I got some money here for you. Well, that ain't no attitude to take. You know, you might get hot. Pardon? I said that you might really heat up today. Oh, I don't think so. I took my longies off last week. Hey, what's he talking about? Well, who cares? Come on, let's start the game, eh? We're gonna play games? Well, Nats, here, go ahead and shoot. Gee, you fellas must play a lot. These marbles are worn flat. Now, they're, they're dice, kid. Dice. D I S E. All right, let's start playing, eh? Yeah. Uh, you want to roll, kid? Oh, no, thanks. I just finished breakfast. <laughs> you know something, Harry? I think this guy is for real. Yeah. Hey, uh, kid, didn't you ever play this game before? No, sir. Oh, why, there's nothing to it, pal. <laughs> we'll teach as we go along. Here, here, yeah, here's the dice. You just peel ten bucks off that wad you got and lay it on the floor. Like this? That's fine, that's fine. Now, just roll the dice out. Okay. Uh-huh. I got a six and a one. What do I do now? Well, a six and a one is seven, so that means you put up seven more dollars. <laughs> okay, there. That's good. Now, roll again. Gee, another seven. I guess I'm just not lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. Some days it goes like that. <laughs> well, it's my roll now, so I'll shoot another ten. Uh, fade me, kiddo. Come on. Pardon me? I can't shoot till I'm faded. Well, it shouldn't take too long. You're kind of green in spots already. <laughs> Just cover my ten bucks with ten of your own, bud. Oh, I see. Okay, there you go. All right, good. All right, dice. Now, let's go. 
Oh, gee, seven. Too bad. Uh, no, no. No, wait, kid. You see, this seven is a five and a two when yours was a six and a one. I lose again, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just getting the, ain't getting the break today at all. <laughs> but here's the dice back. You, you try rolling them yourself again. Go on. Okay, here's another $10. Shoot. Seven. Yeah, five and a two, just like yours. I won, huh? Now, I'm sorry, kid. You see, the five has got to be on the dice that's nearest to you. <laughs> oh. Louie, ain't we got no pride? <laughs> Better than hitting them all the head, ain't it? All right, go ahead, kid. Put down the rest of your money. All right, here's all I have left. Here goes. Uh-huh. Ten. That's nice for a change, huh, fellas? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, now you roll again, you see. And if you get another ten before you're seven, you win. Okay. Gee, this is a fascinating game, all right. Uh-huh. Gee, what do you know? Another ten. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, yeah. It's the same as my other ten, too. A six and a four. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why do I lose this time? Give me a minute, will you? This ain't easy. <laughs> Maybe the four was on the wrong dice. No, no, we used that. Maybe I should have rolled left-handed, huh? Roll left-handed, you say? Yeah. That's pretty weak. Maybe I forgot to snap my fingers. Now, look, kid, if you don't mind, I am perfectly capable of deciding why you lose, so just keep out of it, will you? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, if you just be patient for... Oh, oh, oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe I get it. Did you have both feet on the carpet when you rolled? Sure. That's it. The rules say one foot on wood. That's tough luck, kid. Oh, I enjoyed it. After all, I expected you just to take the money from me. Oh, no, not us, son. You see, Mr. Peterson and I, we are sportsmen. Mr. Peterson? Yeah. I thought you said his name was Fader. Oh, you mean Sam Fader, the bookie? He's downtown at the Hotel Windermere. You, you mean I haven't delivered Mr. Jacoby's money to Mr. Fader? I don't get you. Peterson's the name I told you, and this here is No-Nose Riley. Yeah, I'm glad to know you, kid. What's your handle? My handle? When Mr. Jacoby gets me, it'll be the back of my neck. We'll continue this day in the life of Dennis Day in just a moment. Meanwhile, here's Dennis to sing, Have a Little Sympathy. Sympathy for me 
Well, our young hero's boss, Mr. Jacoby, lost $50 on a horse. And we can forgive a man a mistake like that. But when he sent Dennis over with the money to pay the bookie, that was a mistake we can't forgive. For our hero went to the wrong address, unsuspectingly walked into a crap game, and promptly lost the $50. Unable to face Mr. Jacoby with the horrible tidings, we find him telling his troubles to his girlfriend, Mildred. Oh, no, Dennis, and they wouldn't give you back the money? No, they claim they had cheated me fair and square. <laughs> oh, Dennis, how could you have done such a thing? Oh, I'm always doing things like this. Like the time your mother gave me the address of the church and told me to walk in the back door and ask for Parson Jenkins. And you got the wrong address that time, too? Yeah. Guess it was the first time a parson was ever paged in a lady's Turkish bath. <laughs> oh, golly, but what are you going to do this time, Dennis? Poor Mr. Jacoby. Oh, now, don't say that yet. It's only $50. Maybe I can raise it from your mother. Do you think she'd lend it to me? <laughs> Poor Mr. Jacoby. <laughs> the only possible chance you have to raise money fast is a loan company. Hey, yeah. There's an idea. But of course, they don't give you money unless you have collateral. Well, maybe I can fake it. What are the symptoms? <laughs> collateral means property, Dennis, something of value. Or you have to own a business or have a father say who owns a business. A father? Hey, wait a minute. Sam Jacoby owns a business. What are you talking about? Well, Mildred, I got Mr. Jacoby into this thing, and it's up to him to get me out of it. <laughs> what? Mr. Jacoby has credit, and if I told a loan company I was his son, they'd advance me $50 in a minute. Golly, maybe you're right. But do you think you can actually convince the loan company you're Mr. Jacoby's son? Ooh, could I? <laughs> well, I guess this is it, all right. The Dixieland Loan Company. Colonel E.M. Randall, manager. Here goes. Yes, I'll be home about seven, Amy Lou. Yeah, have a mint julep ready for me, honey. I've had a rough day. I swear these northerners, no courtesy, no manners, no more breeding than a swamp possum. Uh-oh. Yeah, I I'm telling you, if an honest-to-goodness southern gentleman was to walk in here, I declare I'd give him anything he asked for. Uh-huh. Yeah, all right, Emmylou. Goodbye, then. Oh, pardon me, sir. I didn't see you come in. How do you do, sir? Well, shut my mouth. Hello, you all there. <laughs> What, what was that? You'll have to pardon by me the sudden accent, body boy, master. Oh, you're, you're from the south? I just got here on the Chattanooga Choo and I'm powerful tired. Uh, just what part of the south are you all from, sir? Why, way down Dorton in Alabama, sir. We had their plantation. You don't say? Yeah. A cotton plantation? 60% cotton, 40% wool. <laughs> I beg your pardon? Oh, yowza. Cutest little place you ever done saw there, Colonel, sir. You all there? <laughs> I can just see our little house now. Magnolia trees up front, chickens back in the yard there, pigs roaming... Oh, pardon me, wrong house. <laughs> well, now, this is most interesting. I must say I'd never have taken you for a southerner, sir. Oh, yeah. Every morning I'm sitting on my levy, eating my hominy grits with sour cream and my southern fried knishes. <laughs> I see, yeah. Well, now, uh, just what can I do for you, Mr. Uh... Sam Jacoby, Jr. Maybe you know my old papa there? 
Sam Jacoby Sr. with the antique shop. Sam Jacoby? Why, Sam's one of my oldest friends. I've known him for 25 years. This is a fact. Yes. <laughs> and I, I wonder why he forgot to mention to me that he had a son. Uh, well, uh, maybe Mammy forgot to mention it to him. <laughs> Don't think so I think you're a fake A phony Sir, are you calling me a Yankee? <laughs> I'm calling you worse than that No, no, I take that back There is no worse than that <laughs> But you will leave my office immediately, sir Wait, no, well, Lanceman, give a listen Smoke Get out, I said And that's final Boy, raise me all Okay, I'm going, I'm going Dear Mr. Jacoby I'm writing you this letter Because I can't face you in person After you've been so nice to me I didn't mean to lose your $50 But you see, I'm always getting addresses And numbers mixed up I'll tell you everything exactly as it happened when I took your $50 down to give it to Mr. Fader, I thought the hotel was the Congress. Of course, it was really the Windermere, and when I got down there, I... Oh, Mildred, Mildred, where are you? Dennis, what is... Oh, my golly, where did you get that gorgeous new suit? Pretty snappy, huh? How do you like my spats? Well, they're very nice, but shouldn't they be worn underneath the trousers? <laughs> Only when you're wearing shoes. The man said with sneakers, it doesn't really matter. But, Dennis, I don't understand. Where on earth did all this finery come from? Oh, this is nothing. Look. Two tickets for the show tonight. Sure, lojas, too. Nothing too good for you, Mildred. And here. Flowers? Yep, nothing's too good for you, Mildred. Oh, and that gorgeous bottle of taboo. Well, that's for myself. Nothing's too good for me either. <laughs> Dennis, you've got to tell me, how did all this happen? Well, it was very simple. You know that letter I wrote to Mr. Jacoby yesterday telling him just how I lost his $50? Yes. And you know the contest that the Bugle is running for my most unusual experience? Oh, Dennis, you don't mean... Sure. And when I mailed a letter to Mr. Jacoby, I got the address mixed up as usual and went to the paper instead. <laughs> and I won first prize of $100 in the contest. Dennis, no. Sure. So I gave Mr. Jacoby back his $50, and I still had $50 left over to... Mildred. Mildred, you kiss me. Right on my bare forehead. Here's Dennis to sing the new ballad, So Tired. I'm so tired of waiting for you. So tired of longing for you. Tired of waiting, saving my Why don't you call me 
Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us here on Sid Valley Radio.